Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Big Ten Hoops Weekly. Uh, I'm Brett. I'm here, as always, with my good friend, Steve. Steve, how are you doing? want to wish everybody a happy early New Year, and and really, that's about it. That's it. No, no more, no less. That's, uh, that's how we like it over here at Big Ten Hoops Weekly. Um, yeah, so it, obviously, as, as we kind of talked about last week, uh, light week uh, in terms of, of the recap, um, and then... Next week we have full-on conference play, and and you know we'll get to all that. Um, but first, I, I mean we we can't can't start this show without talking about the big off-the-court news that came out of Champaign earlier this week. Terrence Shannon was, uh, I believe, uh, was charged with sexual assault in uh, Kansas, stemming from an incident from September. Um, and you know, we we are, we are mostly just gonna focus on the the off or the on court stuff, just as it pertains to how this podcast has come. But um, you know, we're our, our thoughts are with the victim and and all victims of sexual assault. Um, and there's 48 hours basically for Shannon to be uh either reinstated or suspended at Illinois. Um, and there's a lot that is still unknown, and um, we will keep you updated uh, as that comes in but you know just want to make sure we say that we stand with with uh, with all victims and uh this is obviously horrible news and and just horrible conduct by terrence shannon um with that said uh i mean from a from a strictly basketball standpoint this is absolutely devastating news for the illini um and it's i mean shannon's you know, he he's obviously been playing extremely well this year, and and we we had expressed concern about how the um, rest of the Illinois supporting cast, so to speak, uh, was on. There was there was not a consistent second option on the court for the Illini. Um, sometimes it was Domask, sometimes it's been Coleman Hawkins. You know, Luke Goody's been shooting well. Quincy Guerriere has stepped up his game as of late. Um, and Illinois did have a game. Uh, on Friday against Fairleigh Dickinson, um, where you know they were they were it was kind of a, a committee effort with six guys in double figures. So obviously like encouraging to see guys step up, but I mean th- this is a huge huge blow to kind of what had been we had talked about as you know Illinois last just last week as a you know sleeper Final Four team. So that's you know the ceiling has been lowered significantly. Uh, I think from a from a basketball perspective. I think first off, I I just want to say I think it, as far as just how the situation was handled, I I think you know we should give props to Illinois, the athletic department, and just the basketball team for handling this situation appropriately in terms of suspending him and taking him off the court immediately. Um, not that you wanna like make comparisons in this type of situations, but we know there was a high profile situation at university of Alabama where there was, you know, a pretty bad legal situation that transpired last year with a high profile player and they did not handle it well. So I think just props to Illinois for, for handling it the way they should. And yeah, I mean, there's no way around the skirting around the impact of this on the basketball team. I think the good thing from Illinois' perspective is that they've kind of given themselves a little bit of a cushion just based on the um, profile that they've, or the the resume that they've sort of built for themselves at this point in the year, starting off 10 and two, you know, with a, with a, a number of, of strong non-conference wins to, to boast, um, you know, and we'll get into this in a little bit, but like 
they, they turn around next week and, you know, they play Northwestern and Purdue. So they're, they're heading right into ringer. And it, I mean, it's one thing to just lose Shannon's production, which is going to be hard to replace. He's, um, I believe right now he's yeah he's second in the conference and scoring one of two players in the conference averaging over 20 points a game. Um, he's shooting over 40% from three this year, but it's, it's also, you know, the fact that he's their go-to guy. And so other guys are going to have to step up. Um, you know, we'll, we'll really see what, what coach Underwood is made of this year because, you know, now he's going to have to find a way to drag these team, this team to a tournament bid, uh, rather than kind of go with with all the you know with all guns all of his guns full full blazing for this, so you know it, it it's kind of obvious in a way just how how uh, this is going to impact their team. Uh, we'll learn a whole lot about these the rest of the the guys that they have on their roster in in this stretch here, but really huge bummer if you were an Illinois fan because um, you could make the argument that this was Underwood's best coaching job, you know thus far in his tenure there at this point in the season. And, um, you know, now he's going to need to be arguably even better to um, make this team relevant the rest of the year. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, I, all things considered, and I definitely agree with, with what you were saying about how the, the athletic department has handled this. And I think, you know, it, it is, it is kind of interesting. There are, I think and even just watching games the last couple of weeks, we've seen teams kind of across the country kind of come out slow after the, the holiday break. I think the, the Creighton Marquette game today was a shining example of two teams that just played like crap all game. Um, and so Illinois having kind of a tune up game before going into what what promises to be a, a pretty difficult week uh, on all on all fronts um, was definitely definitely interesting. Um, or it was good, good for them to get kind of get that uh, get back in the, the headspace of, of playing um, for, you know, guys like Domask and, and Gary Air. So I think having that tune up will, will definitely help. Um, so, you know, lots more to come on that um, as we, as we move into January, the, the rest of the week for the big 10 uh, was charitably not great. Um, I think we, we've, we're starting to see, the bottom separate itself, which is kind of interesting because we've, we, you know, obviously we know everyone knows how good Purdue is, but we had a lot of kind of mixed feelings about the mid to bottom of this conference. And charitably, it will be pretty ugly for a lot of these teams. Um, you know, I think, and we have to start, I think, with the Michigan Wolverines. Um, you know, obviously we have talked about their their relatively strong start to the season, but uh, I believe they currently sit at six and seven after a loss, a home loss to McNeese State. And no, this is not your grandfather's McNeese State. Um, Will Wade is their coach. He brought in a lot of high-profile transfers, you know, such as Shahada Wells, who uh, had himself a night against Michigan, uh, 30 points. And, you know, Michigan was able to get a little bit more offensive production kind of across the board, which is good because we've seen kind of Doug McDaniel, it's been the Doug McDaniel show on offense but, you know, McNeese State scored 1.23 points per possession. The the rebounding battle was not really – it was in Michigan's favor very slightly, but – or no, it was it was tied. It was exactly tied um, with when Michigan had a significant height advantage. And, I mean, this Michigan defense is, is kind of a disaster. Um, and, you know, there, there could potentially be some, some more bad news to come, but we won't do – we won't speculate here, but – you're looking at at a six and seven Michigan heading into the new year. 
you I, I think when we when we talked about this offline, I think 14 and four is probably what you need to get in to the tournament. Just Juwan Howard's job in jeopardy at this point. Yeah, I, I think it's it's the right question to be asking. I, I think I think at the end of the day, it would really have to fall off the rails for um, them to fire him this year. I think in, in some ways you have the built in excuse that because he was out with the heart issues for the beginning of the year that um, he couldn't really, you know, like his imprint really wasn't on the team for, um, you know, from start to finish this year. But I think at the same time, you know, a counter to that would be, well, this team looked like world beaters, their first sort of three to like five games of the year. You know, they were, I think one of our week one, week two early surprises, especially after they got that early win against St. John. And um, it's, it's only really gotten worse as he's become more involved. Um, and it, it, yeah, it's really only got gone gone downhill from those first three games. I think the thing that's shocking to me is is what you talked about on the defensive side. You know, I, I don't know if this team was ever like an elite defensive team under Jawan, but I mean, it it continues to get worse. And I think the thing that's a shame about that is their 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 numbers on offense like aren't awful. You know, Doug McDaniel continues to put up great numbers. He didn't have the greatest game against McNeese, but you know, he's putting up big numbers and big minutes. He had eight rebounds against, you know, McNeese, which as a testament to what's going on with their team rebounding, but you know, he's had multiple 30 point games this year. You know, they've gotten contributions from Namari Burnett and Conwood throughout the year. Even Terrence Williams like, put up 20 in this game against McNeese state. I, I think the biggest um, head scratcher of the season so far has been Terrace Reed, who um, has not been able to be, dominant defensively in the way that a lot of people thought he'd be. And, you know, his offensive production continues to go down. So you know, I think with this game, you know, proper context is necessary, right? It's a bad loss, but it's not like a bad numerical loss from a tournament resume perspective, because, you know, McNeese's um, computer numbers, you know, are going to end up decent. You know, that this win vaulted them up to 42nd, I believe in the net. So, but I, I don't know that this team really has a shot at the tournament at this point in the season, barring like a dramatic turnaround. You were asking me, I, I don't think Jawan gets fired at the end of this year, but I think it he'll end up on the hot seat heading into next year with admittedly not too great of an outlook from a recruiting perspective heading into the next year. Yeah, I think I think that's a really interesting point because, you know, I, this team does have a bunch of seniors, um, you know, Williams, Kamo and Burnett will move on. And then I think there's, one high recruit committed, but I mean, the, the depth really isn't there. Um, and you know, this team right now in Ken Palm is 143rd in defensive efficiency. That simply will not cut it, especially when the highest ranked team they've played has been, uh, the 34th ranked Florida Gators who torched them for 106 points granted with, with double overtime, but context is, is pretty key. And McNeese is projected as a 13 seed right now. Like this is a legitimate basketball team. So it's, you know, not the Southland conference of, of ye old days, but I believe it will be a short tenure until Will Wade's next, uh, strong ass offer with that in mind, maybe one of the worst games I think I've watched all season was Rutgers playing Stonehill. Stonehill is for context in their second year in D one, they currently rank 350th in Ken Palm and uh, heading into today's game, had six active scholarship players. Rutgers won this game 59 to 58 in 70 possessions. 
God, it was bad. Uh, Rucker shot five for 28 from three. I mean, Stonehill realized what I assume a lot of Big Ten teams will realize. And that is if you zone Rutgers and their only attempt at offense is to just keep trying to force it to Cliff Omari. And Omari had a significant size advantage. No one on Stonehill that played today is over 6'8", and he had 17 and 17, but he shot 11 of 20 from the free throw line. Um, that's kind of wild. He took six shots the whole game that did not end in fouls. So, you know, I mean, obviously good game for him. Derek Simpson hit the go ahead three with, I believe, 12 seconds left, give or take. And, and Rutgers was really able to stonewall uh, Stonehill and a, a, a kind of bad shot. But I mean, the offensive nightmares for Rutgers continue. I mean, they, they shot 11 of 34 from two. The aforementioned five of 28 from three and 22 of 35 from the line. I mean, I don't, their offense is putrid. It is 242nd in the country overall on Ken Palm. Uh, and they're shooting 29% from three. I mean, these guys can't hit open jump shots. I, I don't really know what the fix is to that when you start playing teams with a pulse. Yeah, I, I, we've, we've beaten this dead horse, I feel like, a, a ton on the podcast. I mean, if you, want, if you want more wacky stats, I mean, Rutgers won this game only making... 16 shots which is astounding when you just you know you think about the fact that this was a 40 minute basketball game they shot 5 of 28 from three that's good for 17.9 percent um but I, I think if you're Rutgers the most disappointing thing about this is that you only run won the rebounding battle 48 to 46 against a team with six scholarship players so you know I, I mean they played good enough defense for this to be a blowout but you know, whether you would have hoped for a few more offensive rebounds just because of your size advantage, you know, or just, I mean, yeah, this is one of these games where, you know, you just, you have to show up and be better and they weren't. So uh, this may be one of the last times that we're talking about this team in depth here, but I think, you know, the even funny part is like um, if, if they can somehow figure it out and, and, put together some wins like they're eight and four you know it's not like the world's gonna end um even though their resume is very very so so at this point yeah there are no good wins but there are i mean princeton's 57th in ken palm now so it's not like there are a ton of bad losses there aren't any bad losses um you know with with wake and and mississippi state showing all kind of a lot recently so I don't, it's gotta be, I mean, I'm not going to pretend to be a sports psychologist, but it's gotta be mental at a certain point. If you're just missing that many open jumpers, it'll really kind of take it out. I mean, the good thing, the good thing is obviously, you know, they were able to hit the winning shot and, and make that stop on to get out of there with a win and what would have been a just horribly bad loss. So it's not, yeah, like you said, not the end of the world, but, and you know, we've, and as I mentioned earlier, teams have shown up kind of repeatedly to this first game out of the holiday break, just not fully with it so maybe it's a little bit of that um but i think a lot of data points would say that this team i I mean just can't play offense and uh that will cause them problems and the final game in the recap uh is ohio state and west virginia uh show uh, had a showdown today at rocket mortgage fieldhouse in cleveland and ohio state led by as many as 14 and West Virginia was able to fight all the way back and force overtime where Ohio State ended up winning by three. Not a good offensive show show, showing from the Buckeyes. 38% from two, 32% from three, which is, you know, that's fine, but not great. And then 15 to 25 from the line. You know, power five win. 
West Virginia is bad. They're five and eight. But, you know, it's, again, one of those games where they were able to kind of pull it out. And I, I mean, I guess that's that shows some character from from this team. But, you know, you got to be able to protect leads, leads, especially with with league play uh, coming right around the corner. Yeah, this this was the the Roddy Gale breakout game that, you know, I don't know that too many people around the program would be surprised about, but he went for 32 on 11 of 21 from the field and, and three out of seven, three. So he was pretty good. Also added seven rebounds and six assists. So, um, you know, great to see really like even a, another big breakout guy. I mean, I think the the thing that, you know, this tells me honestly is like they've, they've got kind of a, a three headed monster of guys that can make shots in close games, you know, with, Bruce Thornton and Jamison Battle, who all kind of contributed um, late in that game. And so, you know, not not many other teams in the conference really have that. And I mean, you know, I think we're still a little bit ways away of from talking about Ohio State as, you know, potential challengers to Purdue as a as a conference champion. But, you know, they've they've been rock solid so far. This would have been a bad loss had they dropped it, uh, but they didn't. They found a way to win. I agree. A little bit disappointing that they're blowing the leads, but they they were on top of being up 14 at one point they were up eight with like five minutes to go in this game but uh, this is part of you know a little bit of growing pains with the young roster and the fact that they didn't collapse is is good uh, but this will not be like a tournament boosting win um, as you mentioned West Virginia is really bad it's one of those things where you're happy it happened you're happy it ended up the way it did but necessarily not not necessarily uh, thrilled with the process. Um, that's it for for the recap of this week. And before we get to the preview, I would like to thank our sponsors, Brewbags Coffee Company. Um, and you can rediscover your ritual with Brewbags Coffee Company and their single serving flavored cold brew pouches. Whether you're looking for an easy way to make great cold brew uh, to save time in your busy morning or to have coffee your way while you're on the road, brew bags are so easy that you can brew them in your sleep and they are so delicious that you will want to wake up. For brew bags, you can enjoy free shipping to celebrate their launch. Use discount code LAUNCH10, that's L-A-U-N-C-H-1-0, to take 10% off your order. Thanks again to Brewbags for sponsoring this podcast. All right, so moving on to the preview. Uh, things get started right away on Tuesday uh, the 2nd. So Happy New Year to Maryland, who gets to face Purdue. I mean, we've had so many things to say about Maryland, most of them not great as once the actual basketball started. Um, but they have been able to string together five straight wins, you know, against you know, road one at UCLA, home win against Penn State and then a bunch of cupcakes. But they seem to be playing their most cohesive basketball at, you know, at the right time, kind of heading into conference season. We're I mean, Jameer Young's health is a huge thing. Uh, I believe he missed their last game against Coppin State with an injury. So that's obviously something to monitor. We don't have any information on that as of now. Julian Reese, obviously tall task literally in Zach Eady. And we're, this is a game where Dante Scott needs to be a factor. I mean, he's, he's pulled the disappearing act a bunch this season. Reese has also done that. And I mean, even going into a hostile environment, I think Purdue, Purdue should roll. I don't think Maryland has the wing size or ability to really give them fits, especially with young out. Um, so, you know, Maryland could keep it close for a little bit, but I think Purdue will be able to wear them down. Then we have Iowa traveling to the Kohl Center uh, to play Wisconsin. I think Iowa's been very, you know, they've been two different teams, basically, depending on if they're playing a team that has a pulse or not. You know, they're they're going to put up a lot. They, they have the potential to put up a lot of points, uh, but 
really only against teams that are not great. Um, they did put up 80 against Michigan and 84 against Creighton, but um, you know, Purdue and Iowa state have both held them under 70 and the Badgers defense will be a lot more like those two teams uh, than Florida A&M. So, you know, it's going to be, can Iowa actually start knocking down shots? Um, they are still at about 33% for the season from three, and they're going to need to do that to uh, beat the Badgers. Chucky Hepburn's health is going to be key coming into this game. He looked like he pulled a groin, I believe, uh, in the game against Chicago State. And I think, obviously, as the Badgers will go as their as their floor general goes, but, uh, you know, they, they will, Steve Crowell and Tyler Wall will be able to make Iowa's short, Shorter, uh, smaller front line really pay. So I think that this is a game that Wisconsin should be able to win, uh, especially if they're able to actually lock down shooters and, and force the ball inside, which has worked against smaller front lines. Finally, uh, Northwestern Illinois, obviously a lot going on within in Champaign. Um, and I think that they're, you know, Northwestern has uh, been, when they're not losing to Chicago State, been very solid defensively. Um, and is really going to work to stop guys from getting into the lane. Um, although, you know, Ty Rogers is, is a much different threat at point guard than, than Terrence Shannon is. So, you know, Northwestern is going to definitely be relying on Boo Booey and, and Barnheiser to get them through this game. And I think that, you know, even on the road, they stand a good chance at, uh, at knocking off the Illini, but, um, Illinois may end up being a little too talented down, down the stretch and, uh, you know, the, the home crowd should help them get over the hump there. All right. Then on Wednesday, we've got um, we've got two games. Rutgers heads to Columbus to take on the Buckeyes. We we just talked about these teams a, a little bit in the recap. Uh, I think for Rutgers, this is sort of an opportunity to bounce back from that rough performance against Stonehill and, you know, see if they can find a way to sort of slow this game down and impose their will um, against an Ohio State team that's really turning into a, uh, a challenging three-headed attack with the with the guys that we mentioned and and Roddy Gale, Bruce Thornton, and and Jamison Battle. So again, good opportunity for Ohio State to sort of take care of business at home, but also uh, an opportunity for Rutgers to sort of bounce back and and get themselves headed in the right direction to try to get back into tournament contention. Uh, but I actually think the most interesting game of that night is is the next one with in which Indiana heads to Lincoln to take on Nebraska. So, you know, Indiana's 10 and three, Nebraska's 11 and two. Um, so, you know, teams that have put together strong, you know, profiles up to this point in the season. But really, you know, when you peel back the onion into those profiles, um, they're sort of anchored by a lot of, of quad four wins. Um, Nebraska has eight of their 11 wins against quad four teams. Indiana's got six of their 10 wins against quad four teams. In fact, Indiana only has one quad one or two win up to this point in the season, which is why the um, computers don't really like them. Um, so good opportunity for each team to, 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 um, you know, pick a win there. I think this is going to be really, really tough for Indiana, you know, going into Lincoln, that fan base is fired up at the potential of finally having a team that can sort of hold their own for a tournament bid. Um, and, and I, I think they're there for real um, Indiana's defense you know, which we kind of thought, I thought they'd kind of have to lean on that defense a lot this year, um, just, you know, given the lack of offensive talent. And it hasn't been that good um, the, the last couple of games. So against not great competition. So um, I think there's a chance that Nebraska actually blows the doors off of them and, and really sends a message to the rest of the conference. 
yeah, definitely, definitely interested to see how that one turns out. Thursday, uh, a couple very just interesting games schematically. I think Minnesota goes to Ann Arbor, and feel free to tell me if I'm wrong. Michigan cannot lose this game, and it's a bold proclamation for December 30th. We are not even into the new year, but I mean, Michigan's got to right the ship, and Minnesota has a pulse recently. They've won five in a row, um, including that very weird game against Nebraska, but, and they've been taking care of business. They've blown out IUPUI ball state Maine, So like not your murderers row of, of competition, but for a team that we were worried about having 10 wins at all, they're 10 and three. That's there's, you know, good, good for them. Um, Dawson Garcia is finally healthy. And I mean, with Terrace Reed's pension for foul trouble, that's a matchup to watch. I, They've they've taken a little bit of a step back. They they tied the rebounding battle against Maine, which is not a good sign. Um, so I think whoever ends up with more rebounds will probably win this game, um, because it will not necessarily be a defensive masterclass to say the least. I I think Michigan will be able to get the win, but this is looking a lot more iffy than it did a couple days ago. And then the second game on Thursday, we have Penn State going to Michigan State, and you know we we had talked a lot about Sparty's shooting. Um, the overall numbers for the season still do not look great, especially from three. But, you know, they were able to dispatch a good Indiana State team by 12, put up 87 points, you know, 1.2 points per possession. Uh, so, you know, above their season average. And uh, you know, they shot 6 to 17 from three. So they're they're figuring out how to, how to get baskets without necessarily over-reliance on the three, which is, you know, a, a good amount of what we saw earlier in the season. So... You know, Tom Izzo's getting his getting his stuff together. Um, they still are not very deep. They only played eight eight guys against Indiana State, and you know, Penn State has a couple wins in a row. They're playing with a little bit of confidence, but still, uh, just based on talent alone and the fact that this game is at Breslin, even with the students out, uh, this is a game that Michigan State should roll. Then on Friday, we just have one game, and this was billed as sort of a top ten marquee you know, nationally televised matchup, even as of a couple of days ago. But, you know, uh, with Illinois heading to Purdue on Friday, I think this game um, has a completely different complexion sort of after the Terrence Shannon news, which we've um, talked about in multiple instances. Um, yeah, you know, the it, it really starts and ends with will Illinois find a way to slow down Zach Eady? Um And if they do, can they hang with the, you know, with the strong, guard and wing play that you know Purdue has as secondary scoring options I think the answer is no and I think Illinois uh, again I think that there's a real risk that they could get run out of the building here um, like I, I mentioned earlier this is where we find out about you know Brad Underwood's chop as a coach and can he keep this team together really really tough week for the Illini this week having to take on Northwestern and then Purdue right out of the gate after this news so um, this would be the game to watch to really see what this new Illinois team is going to be made of. Moving into uh, Saturday, uh, a trio of, of really intriguing games, I think. Um, first, we have what I I cannot qu- I cannot quantify uh, just yet, but I believe is the most extreme difference in play styles in the entire league, and that is uh, Rutgers going to Carver Hawkeye. Um, this is going to be a weird game. Rutgers, 245th in tempo. They play the same as they've always been playing. Iowa, 15th in tempo. They play the same as they've always played. So it's going to come down to whether, you know, R- Rutgers can force Iowa to operate in the half court 
and actually make them run sets and run their offense, which they're not very good at, and then figure out how to manufacture enough points to win, which Iowa doesn't have a great defense. So, but Rutgers has an abysmal offense. So it's, it's stoppable force against movable object. Um, it's, it's truly going to be just a very interesting schematic game. And I think Iowa is more competent at what they do better and also more competent at what they don't do better. So I think that plus home court will get the Hawkeyes over the finish line. But I mean, if they're not hitting their shots, they might score 40 points. And Rutgers is at least capable of probably, probably capable of scoring 42. I think again, Omarui should be able to have another big game against Iowa's front court. But I mean, if they're going to shoot five for 28 from three again, then Iowa should be able to corral a good amount of those misses and get out and run and, you know, kind of not, not have to work in the half court. So Whichever, whichever style ends up running the show will likely win the game. That's what I'm looking for there. Um, and then Wisconsin on the road in Lincoln. Um, so second straight home game. Uh, no, sorry. That game is in uh, Madison. So second straight home game for Wisconsin. Um, and again, this will be one of the better defenses Nebraska has faced. And things have not necessarily gone well when that's happened. Um, but it's it was still Nebraska is still a very versatile team. And I think that, you know, Mast, uh, Wisconsin does have some experience against Mast. They played him in they played against him in the NIT last year when he was at Bradley. So they'll have some idea of how they want Steve Crowell to guard him. Um, I think, again, pending the health of Chucky Hepburn, this is a game that Wisconsin should win. Ken Palm has it as a nine point Wisconsin win. Um, so as long as Wisconsin is able to keep taking it inside and knock down enough sh- outside jumpers, that should be a game that they can control. Um, finally, we have Ohio State going to Assembly Hall and Bloomington. And again, you know, there's there were some health issues for Indiana. Uh, Kalel Ware did not play in their game against Kennesaw State, and they still hung 100 points, which is absurd. Malik, Malik Renew has really been stepping up offensively, but I think that that bigger front line of Ohio State, Okpara and Key, will be able to give give you know Renew and where if he plays some trouble. And I think that Bruce Thornton going up against Gabe Cups is borderline unfair. Uh, I think Thornton will really be able to kind of get into the lane and distribute with ease. And Ohio State's supporting cast is better than Indiana's supporting cast. So I like the Buckeyes there uh, to take it in Assembly Hall. Then three more games to finish out the week on Sunday. Um, the only one with an announced tip time is Michigan at Penn State. That game's at the Palestra. Um, and like you talked about with Minnesota, I think this is a must win for for Michigan as well going um, on the road. I think you know, we're, we're lucky that. Um, for for Michigan, at least, that this isn't at the Bryce Jordan Center because we know that um, at, at 11 a.m. tip time there is ripe for wackiness. But this is a game that I think could actually, you know, this is a team that I think could give Michigan trouble with Kiedis Wuhab sort of uh, being quietly productive, averaging um, eight and six this year. And then, you know, the emergence of Kanye Cleary for Penn State, that you know, as well as Ace Baldwin back there. This This is one that I actually think, you know, Penn, Penn State has has a shot to win despite Michigan's desperation. Um, and then two games with unannounced tip times, I believe, waiting for the final week NFL schedule to see where the the TV sort of times align. Michigan State goes to Northwestern, where I believe they've lost in Evanston two years in a row now. And 
you know, like Northwestern is all of a sudden kind of turning into a tough environment for, for teams other than Chicago state to go in there and win. So, um, a really, really tough slate for Northwestern this week, taking on Illinois and Michigan State. But um, you know, Michigan State, as you've mentioned, they're they're slowly turning things around. But um, you know, aside from that wacky Chicago State game, you know, Northwestern looks like they're you know a top third of the the conference team this year too. So a good um, good litmus test to see whether Michigan State's actually turned things around or whether they're still sort of you know kind of dwindling in the middle of the conference. And then finally, Maryland goes to Minnesota. Um, you know, as you mentioned, we'll, you know, we'll find out this week if, if Minnesota's for real or not. Uh, we've talked about how Maryland's, you know, been on fire since their slow start. Um, this strikes me as one that could be could be pretty high scoring. But again, I think we'll learn a lot about just Maryland's resolve. You know, we had them build as a uh, a top four team in the conference going into this year. It's a game you cannot lose if you know Maryland still wants to prove they're for real. So should be three fun games on Sunday. Conference season is almost here. Uh, we're as excited, if not more, than you are. And uh, we're excited to be there with you every step of the way to break things down and see how this plays out. Um, thank you so much for uh, you know hanging in there with us. And we will see you next week.